like we say at the beginning for a lot of agencies early on in that journey they've yeah. kind of got to say yes to everything there are downsides to working with lots of different types of clients doing lots of different types of things how, how important like, is the cred stack where does that come in oh, chris 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 <laughs> i i hate cred stacks if i'm being honest mate um i think they're a total waste of time the cred stack when it's requested by a prospect is a positive buying signal and it's not it's normally a way of fobbing you off oh yeah send, send us over your creds we'll have a look that's a polite way of quite frankly telling you to piss off Welcome to the Confessions of an Agency Owner podcast. I'm Chris Ailey, your host, and today my guest is Ben Potter, a business development advisor and mentor. One of the biggest challenges for any agency is winning new business. And in this episode, we try to cover the whole process of getting from prospect to client. We discuss how to position your agency, how to kickstart a pipeline, identifying the wrong opportunities, how to pitch, and most importantly, how to win. I got so much value from this conversation, and I'm sure you will too. Ben is a seasoned pro in new biz, and if you're looking to grow your agency, then grab a pen and paper and take notes. Have a listen. Hey, Ben, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. How are you? All right? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah, glad to be here. So yeah, thanks again for having me on. You're welcome. So... One thing I want to talk to you today about was the, the main theme is like running an agency, there's there's two big challenges. One one is recruitment and one is sales. And obviously mm. with New Biz, I know that you, you consult with a lot of agency leaders on how to sort of develop that outbound, isn't it? Because we're, we're so reliant on inbound. What are some of the most common challenges you see in people sort of overcoming that uh, obstacle of winning new business from reliance purely on referrals? Yeah, I think... Um... You're absolutely right to kind of call out in terms of the the the, the major challenges that that you know that tend to be faced by certainly sort of small to medium sized agencies. Um, it's definitely around recruitment and it's around new biz. If you look at the Wow Company's bench press report every year, they ask the question, "What's the biggest challenging of uh, challenge you face at the moment?" And yeah, new new business is consistently in that in that top three. Um, so I suppose my role um, you mentioned there is often about helping an agency put an outbound plan in place that's certainly part of it I think more broadly than that is typically about how I help an agency move away from kind of very reactive new business i.e just whatever happens to come through the front door whether that's through referrals or introductions or through the website to taking a more proactive approach not just to outbound but to new business as a whole um, and that often is looking at their positioning. It's looking at put, putting a proper plan in place and and how to execute that plan properly. And then it moves into the sales process as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about all three of those things over the course of our our conversation today. Yeah, because I, mean, I think one of the common things is you know you start an agency generally, or you you start a freelance journey, and that that first job is what kickstarts that, right? And that's normally yeah. someone you know, or it's a referral. Yeah. And then you know you might get more referrals or recommendations. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. you're sitting there and if the phone rings, that's when your business grows. And I think yeah. it's that proactiveness, yeah. like you say, isn't it? And then yeah. as you start recruiting people and you've got a bigger, bigger wage bill to pay and you've got more expenses, then you need to start searching for the business effectively. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that there's that, that tendency to rely on inbound because it's a bit safer, isn't it? It feels less dangerous to sort of um, go put yourself out there, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think one of the challenges as well that a lot of agencies have is is that, you know, we'll, we want to win new business, but we haven't got the people to do it or we haven't got the skill set to do it. 
and and that chicken and egg thing do you recruit first or do you win the new business first and i think yeah 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 you've got to have that pipeline haven't you to give you the security so how how do you sort of first of all how how should anyone go about creating that pipeline because it all sounds very simple of we've got to create this pipeline of refer you know a business coming into it yeah. but it's easier said than done isn't it it is it is and i think you're right to point out there that i think every agency you know there comes a point in their evolution where they do need to change their approach and i i typically look at agencies that can get to sometimes kind of 10 or 15 people almost wholly on what kind of happens to come through the front door and it's not it's not quite as loose as that but it will be via referrals and maybe going on to the odd event and and, and via the website but i think they get to sort of a point where that doesn't necessarily begin to dry up but maybe the quality isn't quite there the consistency in those leads coming through isn't quite there and I think there's a realization that if they're going to take the next run up the the ladder as it were in terms of growth they are going to have to start being kind of more proactive so I suppose in answer to your question what what are what are the things that I would typically recommend an agency look to do first and it's it's kind of the lower hanging fruit if I'm being honest um starting with ironically referrals you know, we talked about the fact that a lot of agencies are, are kind of reliant on referrals. But interestingly, whilst they are reliant, most agencies don't really take a proactive approach to how they create um, uh, more referrals and better quality referrals. So I think the first thing you look at doing is putting a more proactive approach, a more strategic approach in where your referrals are concerned via clients, via uh, strategic partnerships and, and kind of how you go about that. Because as I say, the, the vast majority of agencies are still kind of waiting uh, to see what comes in via that route rather than saying, OK, well, what can we actually do to go out and garner more and better quality referrals? So that's certainly somewhere um, where I would where I would start. Um, strategic partnerships is a big one for me. We used to get most of our leads at our agency via partnerships with other like minded complementary agencies. So I think doing that. Getting out to events as well is a big one, especially now there are more face-to-face uh, -face events happening. Um, finding the right events and just being in the right places, uh, you know, I think is is critical. And then I'm sure we'll talk about um, uh, outbound as well and what that means and what that looks like over the course of this conversation. But I think there are three or four things there that a lot of agencies aren't doing that you could start doing straight away. And they are relatively... I'm not going to say low effort, but they're relatively straightforward to understand and start to implement. Yes, there are certain methods and, and tips and tactics you can apply to each of those things, but they are relatively straightforward if you've got the time and resource to execute them. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly learned like it's your network effectively, isn't it? And like you say, getting yeah. out and meeting people and having those meaningful conversations because you it's easy to sort of think, okay, we're going to well, marketing is a big part of it. And, you know, attracting yeah. people to your brand is, is, is one part of it, but actually having yeah. those conversations and meeting more people and networking. And, and like you say, step one is almost asking for the business really, because yeah. Yeah. if you've got people that are working with you already and they can recommend you and they've got their networks, then, yeah. then actually more referrals, I guess, is a great place to start in terms of building that Definitely. pipeline, isn't it? Definitely. I just, I just think it's doing it in a very targeted way. And what, what agencies tend to do is, first and foremost, they're often scared of asking the question. Now, if you're scared of asking your client for a referral introduction, that would say to me that there's something maybe more fundamentally wrong with that relationship. So you've got to be looking at those clients that are in a good place. And, and, and you know, and, and feedback mechanisms are a really good way to, to ascertain that. I'm a really big fan of Net Promoter Score because um, you are effectively asking to be referred 
in the nature of that question. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a great that's a great method for facilitating um, uh, the you know the process of being referred to others. But then it's actually how do you ask the question? And a lot of people will go to a client and say, you know, can you recommend us? And the client goes, well, who do you want to be recommended to? Um, it's too broad a question. And, you know, we have this wonderful tool these days called LinkedIn, where you can go and look at who your clients are connected to. And you can go and speak to them about the nature of those relationships to understand whether they know them or not. And then it's a case of being really targeted and saying, well, actually, if you do know Joe Bloggs from XYZ brand, would you mind facilitating an introduction? So I think it's I think it's having the uh, I think it's understanding where clients are in terms of how happy they are with you. And then it's being more targeted in how you actually ask the question. And and that's what I see not enough agencies doing. They still tend to go to the client and just say, do you know anyone? And that puts all the onus and effort on the, on, on the, on the that client. Yeah. And have to go, well, who, who do you want to know? Um, so I think, again, there are certain tips and, and, and tactics with regards to how you go about actually doing that. But if, if, if I was to give advice to any agency that are not, taking that proactive approach to referrals start there as you said you've got this network of people already um tap into it utilize it that's 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 the best place to start i think one of the maybe the fears of agencies you know is is going to a client and asking them do they know anyone they can refer them to mm. one is obviously yeah are, are you doing a good job you know does the client mm. think you're doing a good job well they do because they're, they're still paying you right yeah but yeah. the other thing is like there's that little bit perhaps in the back of the mind that thinks, well, maybe they think we're struggling as a business and we need this business rather than, mm. you know, we're trying to grow and, and will the client yeah. think we're going to give them less love if we're, you know, we're serving more clients. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what yeah. do you say to that? I mean, is that something you sort of hear a lot? I do. I do. You know, when I, when I, when I go into an agency and we do a piece around referrals and, you know, the first thing I'll do is try and explore, you know, what, 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 what scares you about taking this more proactive approach to referrals and, and, and all the things you mentioned there, are exactly the concerns that that come out of it. I think I think ultimately it will come in how you actually ask the question. You know, and and a lot of a lot of what I talk about with agencies when it comes to um, whether it's lead generation or, or, or specifically the sales process itself, so much of it is around the language you use and finding language which you feel comfortable with. And referrals is a great example of that. And I think I think you're right to call out those concerns, but I would actively encourage any agency to put those concerns aside and really find the language that you feel comfortable with when it comes to actually making that request and I don't I, I haven't experienced many conversations with agency owners where they say once they've got that language right and they've gone to the client and they know the client is in a happy place if the client is in that happy place they'll want to help you they really will. And, and you know, this this leads to another discussion around, you know, do you need to incentivize them? No, you don't. And I think almost that muddies the water a bit. Yeah, maybe send them a, a nice crate of wine or something after the event. But if a client is in a good place and they will want to help you, there should be no need to incentivize them. So it's just trying to get over these kind of slightly limiting mindsets, I suppose, to some extent when it comes to this kind of thing. When you say that that type of language that you use, what can we mm. dig into that a bit? I mean, what sort of how, how should someone approach a client? I think um, first and foremost, a great a great piece of advice that I actually picked up from um, somebody else that I'm sure we'll come on to in our discussion around the sales process later on is a guy over in the states called Anthony Inarino. Um, he's written a few books on sales. He's got a great blog, which I'd actually encourage anybody who wants to. Um, understand a more sort of consultative approach to to selling 
um, to go and follow him, find him, read his books and so on. But he provided a really good tip. Um, and, and that's around the timing of when you actually ask for a referral. And you ask for the referral, at least set the stage for asking for the, for the referral much earlier on in the relationship than you would think. He actually suggests you ask for it during the sales process. So oh, really? the point where they give the go ahead and say, yes, you know, we want to work with you and you're putting together your T's and C's and so on and having those types of discussions. He suggests at that point, you actually introduce the idea of referrals. And you might say something like, you know, we're really looking forward to our work together. Um, you know, I hope you won't mind me asking, you know, in a few months time that assuming we meet the targets that we've set, um, that we might ask you to recommend us to other people in your network that you might know. So you're not asking for the referral. So right you're sowing the seed yet, early, basically. But you're sowing the seed. Yeah. So in yeah. six months' time, um, you are indeed delivering those great results and so on. Um, it's not a huge surprise at that point if you were to go to them and say, you know, you remember that kind of conversation we had a few months ago? Um, you know, would, would, would you mind perhaps facilitating that? And then I think in terms of when you actually ask that question, it goes back to a point a few moments ago. Be really targeted with that question. Don't go to your client and put all the onus on them by saying something like, do you know anybody else that might benefit from what we do? I think you've got to do your research before that. And again, you know, look at LinkedIn. Who are they connected to? Go and qualify the nature of that relationship. So you might say something like, I notice you're connected to, you know, X, Y, Z at this company. Do you mind me asking what the nature of that relationship is? Because we're all connected with people on LinkedIn who, quite frankly, we've never met. We don't know mm. them, but they are connections. Hopefully they might say something like, yeah, yeah, you know, we used to work together at X company or, yeah, we go way back. And then that sets you up to then ask the question, would you mind facilitating deduction? You know, we are looking to grow the agency. We're looking to, you know, we're looking to work with more great clients like you, you know, a nice little compliment, never hurts anybody in that type of scenario. So, yeah, I think, again, it, it's that it's that type of phrasing, but it's being really, really targeted and it's setting it up a lot earlier than most people would probably uh, would probably do typically. So I guess a practical example of that would be because, I mean, literally it just popped in my head because I saw this on my feed the other day. But one of my yeah. clients was congratulating someone at a company that they've just got a new job. Yeah. Who potentially then is, is you know, a, a company I, I would like to approach. So I guess yeah, I could yeah. approach that client of mine and say to them, oh, I noticed that you congratulated blah, blah on their new yeah, job. Yeah. Is there yeah. any chance you could introduce me to them? Yeah, so yeah, definitely, answer. definitely that kind of thing. And, 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 and maybe thinking about, and again, this comes into the research and I'm a big believer that before you approach anybody, whether it's via an introduction or whether you're approaching a, a prospect directly, you've, you've got to do some research. You know, you can't just, Bearing in mind that any prospect is probably, well, I know this for a fact, having spoken to them, you know, they're getting 30 or 40 emails a day or LinkedIn messages a day from agencies and from, you know, prospecting agencies working on behalf of digital agencies or creative agencies. So they're being inundated. And if you don't customize that message, if you don't do some research and personalize it and, and demonstrate your understanding of where they are in the journey and the type of problems they're going to be facing, you're never going to get any kind of cut through. So, you know, to supplement, you know, your example of how you might approach that, you might also say something like, you know, we, you know, we've helped you address challenge X, Y, and Z. I imagine as they move into their role, they might be, you know, they might be facing similar types of, of problems and then ask for um, the introduction. So I think, you know, a little bit of research can go a long way and a customization of that message, I think is really, really important. So then the customization of that message, I think is a really great point as well, because obviously, 
reaching out or doing that outbound on LinkedIn, for example, mm. there's a lot of scripts and things like that that you can use, you know, hello, first yeah. name. Yeah. But how important is it there to show that you've personalized that message? Because I think that's really important because most of us can spot an automated message straight oh, yeah. away and that, that loses yeah. all appeals, doesn't it? Because it's not... Totally, totally, yeah. And I think, I think people have also learned this little trick where if you put an emoji in front of your name... Yeah. <laughs> uh, when people use these automatic um, exactly so i think i think it's becoming more and more obvious um uh where kind of automated tools are, are are being used um and 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 it's very apparent often because you'll get a you'll get a linkedin connection request and you might look at it and go okay yeah you know i'll accept that and then of course a minute later you're then being bombarded with a pitch. with a sales message and it's because it is because it's automated and it's not customized it's not uh, it, it's kind of high volume activity, but kind of low quality. I'm a big believer if you're going to do any prospecting, it's it's about lower volume and higher quality. And you're going to have to approach that probably in a more manual way. There are there are insight data tools that can help support that. But I I would much prefer an agency to send, you know, 10 well-researched, highly crafted, good quality messages to somebody sharing some insight um maybe that's a trends report or trying to educate and teach somebody something new about themselves about their business about their market i'd much rather see the effort made at doing that than sending a hundred kind of automated generic messages because the chances of any of those getting cut through is is is, is almost zero bearing in mind again how many messages somebody's getting on a typical mm. a typical day you know e-commerce directors having spoken to them, having interviewed them as part of positioning projects, I know for a fact they are getting, as I said, 30, 40 emails a day. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So if you're going to stand any chance of getting cut through, you've got to send something which is much more tailored, much more customized, and is hopefully providing some value in that communication. So would you surround that with your cred stack or would you just lead straight with research, for example, then? How, how important no. is the cred stack? Where does that come in? Oh, Chris, 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 Chris. <laughs> I, I hate cred stacks, if I'm being honest, mate. Um, I think they're a total waste of time because what they tend to do is simply replicate information which is available on the website anyway. Um, very rarely do I look at a cred stack and go, oh, you know, then look at the website and go, I've learned something new by having a look at that cred stack. So what I, what I, what I think agencies sometimes fall into the trap of believing is that the creds deck when it's requested by a prospect is a positive buying signal. And it's not, it's normally a way of fobbing you off. Oh yeah, send, send us over your creds, we'll have a look. That's a polite way of quite frankly telling you to piss off. Um, so I think creds decks, whether they're used in prospecting, whether they're used um, you know, to to lead a sales meeting, et cetera, I, I don't particularly like them. Now that's 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 just my point of view. So I would much rather see a creds type deck presented as a conversation so the idea of prospecting ultimately is to is to yield a meeting when we're sending somebody a piece of information whether that's a trends report or some insights what we're trying to give them is a window into what it would be like to sit down and have a 45 minute meeting with us so it's a window into our agency and the value that we can potentially create. And that's all we're asking for when we're doing prospecting. Now, if you're just sending them your creds deck, which is essentially information they can get from the website, for me, there's no value in that whatsoever because I can go and look at your agency on your website anyway. 
So I think when you are prospecting, you've got to be thinking about what value am I creating by sending this message? And personally, I don't think there's a great deal of value in sending your credit deck. But as agency owners, we sort of think, right, okay, <laughs> we've got to show them. We've got to show them this is the tribe you'll be in. These are the clients we work with. Look, yeah, you're in the yeah. same. You're in the same tribe. Yeah. You're going to go, oh, look, yeah. we've won awards. We've got this yes. many people. Yeah. We've been around this long. Yeah. And I think yeah. we all fall into that trap of trying to prove our worth and that we're worthy of that conversation. But actually yeah, yeah. what you're yeah. saying is the proof's in the pudding. And here's, here's something yeah. we've engaged you with that's um, that's worth a chat. Yeah, I think I think there are just, you know, as, as we, you know, there are, I mean, estimates vary, but, you know, there are 25, 30,000 agencies in the UK. And, you know, if you look at just, you know, digital marketing agencies alone, you know, most of them pretty much do the same thing. They'll have variations in, you know, processes and so on, but you're all using, you know, you're using the same tools to deliver the same kind of services to, you know, to the end client. So trying to kind of differentiate on kind of features and benefits, I just don't think is enough anymore. And essentially that's what a credit deck is really. It's a, it's a description of your features, your benefits, your background, your awards, your clients, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what I'm not saying is that at some point during the journey, you're not going to talk about those things. Of course, you're going to be talking about those things. You know, a client is going to want those proof points at some stage in the journey. Where I don't think it works anymore is to lead with those things because I don't think a client cares as much about those things, certainly the beginning of the journey when you're first getting to know them as perhaps they might do later on in the journey. What I think is going to potentially interest a client at the beginning is a demonstration that you understand their market or their sector or their business, that you've got some insights. I really like this this phrase, and again, I stole this from somebody else, but this idea of an agency helping their prospects, helping their clients see around corners. And I think at the moment where we have so much turbulence, we've come out of a pandemic, you know, obviously the economy is not doing particularly well. We've got the the shadow of of, of Brexit and so on, um, cost of living crisis. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world at the moment. And I think an agency needs to step up from just being somebody who is delivering services to helping their clients see around corners, being more strategic, being a, being a partner in the true the true sense of the word. So I think if you're going to break down that initial barrier, if you're going to break down that door, you've got to demonstrate that you are that agency, that you can help that prospect see around corners. And that's going to come through your insights, through your opinions, through your perspective. And my, my belief is that's got to come first before you then get into conversations around clients you've worked with and case studies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because I think the other thing that agencies look at is, like you say, there's there's thousands of agencies out there. And mm. We're all trying to sort of go, well, what, how can we stand out? What mm. what can be our USP? What can be our solution that, that no yeah. one else has got? And yeah. that's an impossible yeah. task a lot of the time. There's only one or two agencies that are going to come up with something completely brand new. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, so certainly in terms of delivering the services specifically, so, some agencies might have a very, they might have a unique methodology, for example, and maybe their positioning may well lead with that. But I think for most agencies, leading with their service proposition, um, I don't necessarily think that's going to get that's going to get cut through. Um, another way of doing it, which um, if, if, if I can be so bold to say, looking at your own agency is to is to take quite a brand orientated approach. And I know you've made a huge amount of change in your agency over the last few years around the rebrand, the, the name, 
you know the experience of walking through agency and the, the, the you know the, the physical kind of shop front yeah um, obviously you've worked very hard in building your personal brand as well so i think for some agencies their positioning can be around the brand narrative in itself um, and that can work um and, and yeah, i suppose we're getting into a discussion around positioning here there are lots of different ways of positioning the agency but brand is certainly one way of doing it and that can get decent cut through if you don't necessarily want to go down maybe a sector route for example which other agencies will do but i certainly think it's very very difficult these days to lead with services as your kind of primary positioning pillar if you like mm. i think the positioning thing is interesting because i think that that scares a lot of people as well and you sort of you know niche and and sort of really narrowing down on that audience but then mm, mm. again it's that that whole growth thing because early on like we said earlier you know you're sort of you start with a referral and mm. one of the dangers there is again you, you saying no to the wrong opportunities because you're yeah. you're going to say yes to everything while you're trying to set up <laughs> yeah. your business and yeah i think as you as you mature and as you, you go through it you think okay well now we've got this sector experience or yeah and you learn i mean i'm still learning what clients not to work with you know and, and yeah. it's a really brave move to actually turn business down i mean i've done it yeah. this week for for a brand that would fit with us brilliantly but unfortunately we've now learned what qualifying signals there are and, and actually we're running a few races which ones to focus on but yeah yeah i think going into that yeah i mean so when when is the right time to say no? And uh, like we say, at the beginning for a lot of agencies early on in that journey, they've yeah. kind of got to say yes to everything. Yeah. How important yeah. is it to set that narrative straight away and understanding these, you know, this is where we're going to focus and, and this is the right and wrong opportunity. Yeah, I think I, th I think you're absolutely spot on there. I think when most agencies start out, irrespective of what they do, the services they offer, they will probably tend to work with lots of different types of clients, often a lot across lots of different types of, of sectors or markets, et cetera, of varying different sizes and so on. And no issue with that whatsoever. It's exactly what we did when, you know, when I was when I was helping to run run our agency back in the day. You know, we did start out by working with lots of different types of clients across lots of different sectors. Um, just just to bring the business in. And then, as you said earlier, once you start recruiting, then you've got more mouths to feed. And 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 obviously that 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 machine then starts of having to kind of feed it to maintain revenue to then make sure you can pay the bills, et cetera. What I think tends to happen again at some point in the agency's evolution is they start to realize that there are downsides to working with lots of different types of clients doing lots of different types of things. Um, and that perhaps there would be some benefits to becoming a little bit more specialized. And, and whether you call that niching or specialization or narrowing your focus, uh, whatever, whatever terminology you want to put around that. Um, and, and that typically happens after a few years. And at that point, the agency might start to think about how they're going about how they're going about how they're going to go about actually doing that. Um, but there's no definitive timeline on that. It can be I've worked with agencies that have been around for 20 years and then decide, actually, now we might need to be a bit more specialist. I've seen agencies make that decision after two or three years. I don't think there's any definitive timeline on it. But I think for most agencies, they realize if they're going to grow beyond a certain point, they probably need to be a bit more focused. Mm. Saying that, there are exceptions to the rule. And there are some big generalist digital marketing agencies that I look at and think, God, your positioning is shocking but they've got something else internally that's allowed them to kind of maybe overcome the typical rules around what I would consider to be good 
kind of agency position. Well, I guess that's a different point of selling, isn't it? That's like upselling almost. So I think, yeah, because you can you can start with the best will in the world. You can say, right, we're going to be an SEO agency for retail, mm. for example. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll get a client go, well, do you do email? Or do you do affiliates? Or do you do yes. PPC? Yeah, and then, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we, could, we could do that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then you've got a travel company coming in. Do you do travel? Yeah, we do travel. And then before yeah. you know it, you're a full-service digital marketing agency serving <laughs> everyone and anyone, right? Yes. And yeah, then, yeah. like you say, yeah. you get that realisation point when you get to a certain point where you grow and you go, like, actually, we need to narrow down. But yeah. So maybe yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing that initially. And then you build your specialism because all of a sudden, okay, now we've got a lot of travel clients. Maybe we should focus on on yeah. this area do you yeah. think that you know that should have um multiple legs that store then should so again if you was going down a sector route should you just stick to one do you think you should have a backup plan because again it's easy to say right okay you've got a store you've got three legs we're going to go travel and we're going to mm -hmm. go i don't know retail for example and then our third yeah. leg is kind of like well you can come in if you're the right opportunity whether you're mm -hmm. entertainment mm -hmm. or whatever else yeah yeah but again that's almost that chicken chickening out of that niche yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I think we've always yeah. got to have that backup of that fear of saying no is because if you've got a really big opportunity that you had to say no to, I think that that stands in the way for a lot of agency owners. It does. It's, it's you know, I don't I don't accept that it's that it's easy. You know, I think, you know, agency owners by their very nature are kind of on, entrepreneurial and, and, and very opportunistic. And you, you, you cited an example of it there where a client comes to you and says, you know, do you do affiliates? Nah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we could do can, affiliate. Yeah, we can affiliate do affiliate experience. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, in order to satisfy that brief, you're creating a, a, a you know, an affiliate department almost on the fly, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, so I think I think by their very nature, that tends to be the spirit of which many agency owners will approach um uh you know working with clients and you know, again, maybe when you're starting out, you need to do that little bit of experimentation and try different things to kind of understand what you really like, what you enjoy, what the team can get behind. But I think if you keep doing that, if you keep reinventing the wheel, uh, you know, with every brief that comes through the door, then I think that is going to land you in a bit of trouble later on. And I think, that, as I say, there does come a point where I think you do need to set the boundaries and you do need to understand, you know, where you say no and what opportunities are right for the business, what opportunities aren't, and having that, that what I call an ideal client profile, you know, this is typically what the right client looks like for our business. This is a set of criteria of which we decide whether we say yes or whether we say no, and trying to be quite stringent with that wherever you possibly can. Mm. And, and I think red flags as well. I mean, I'd like to raise a red flag here. I mean, like val value buyers. So, you know, there's there's two clients that spring to mind in my 15 years of running an agency that have both at the negotiation stage when you've won the business and you know they mm. want to work with you and they're just trying to literally drill you down for a, for a, for a deal and a yeah. discount somewhere and both yeah. times they've ended in tears like yeah. really yeah yeah and I think you know that's where that what other red flags would you suggest because for me that's if anyone does that now I'm I'm yeah. walking away. Start. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. not entertaining yeah. that conversation anymore. yeah 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 are there any other red flags like that that you think people should look for oh god yeah loads loads <laughs> I mean, what what and, and, and maybe this ties into i think another uh, sort of another discussion point we had down in our notes and that is that is the the sales process in itself and you know what to look for and when during the course of that sales process and um i'm a really big fan again i'm going to mention his name for probably the second or third time today but um, Anthony Inarino wrote a book called um, Lost Art of Closing. 
And in that book, he talks about closing, not as one big close at the end, but a series of smaller closes or commitments that you're looking to gain from the prospect during the course of that sales process. And that really, um, when I read that book, it really uh, resonated with me because one of my mentors that I worked with back in my agency days said to me that the sales process is about gaining lots of small yeses from the prospect. And if you gain all of those small yeses, you'll get the big yes at the end or certainly stand a better chance of getting the big yes um, at the end. Um, so some of these commitments include things like the commitment from the client that they can afford to invest at the appropriate amount. Um, there's a commitment around um, their willingness to explore. So what I mean by that is, are they open to other ideas, perhaps outside of the one that they think is the right one? Because what, enough, what often a client thinks they, uh, they, they, they want and what they actually need, as you will probably know, can often be very different. Um, are they open to exploring that? Um, are they open to bringing in other stakeholders and working in a more sort of collaborative way to put together that proposal? So there are kind of 10 or 12 of these uh, these commitments. So I suppose in answer to your original question, a red flag would be any time you can't gain one of these commitments. So I wrote a post, I think, a, a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn about the issue that agencies often have to get a budget out of out of a prospect. And often, you know, a prospect will be really guarded about that and they won't mm. want to reveal what their budget is, even though there is one there. Um, for me, that can often be a bit of a red flag because if they're not being open, if they're not... Yeah, really same, there, because you could go for all of that and, well, and yeah, their exactly. expectations might be completely different to what you actually offer, yeah. Com com completely. And if you can't, you know, and I'm a big believer in having that money discussion very early on in the process mm. because if you can't have that, um, and if they're not willing to be open in sharing what that budget is, then how do you go away and shape your solution or your proposal? Because you don't know what you're working with. You know, are you working with, you know, five But if you hit the target, Ben, you know, that row, if you hit that ROAS target, that budget's unlimited. Uh, we'll spend well, it. Until, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all heard that one. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think um, I would urge anybody to listen to this, to, you know, to go, to go and seek out that book. Go and look at the commitments that you are looking to acquire from a prospect during the course of the, the sales process. And a, and a red flag would be any time you're not able to get those. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you stop at that point. But whenever you can't gather the information you need to move forward, for me, that says, right, we need to stop here. We need to pause. We need to think about where we are in the process. And we need to decide if we can gather that information. And if we can't, what does that mean? What do we say to the prospect at this point? And do we do we pull away and do we say no and be quite ballsy and brave about doing that? Because I know it's not an easy thing necessarily to do. Um, or do or do we continue through the process? So I think uh, a red flag is whenever you can't gather or gain one of those commitments, you can't gather one of those small yeses or closes. And that should elicit a response that says, hold on, let's take a step back and let's review where we are. Yeah, I mean, we 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 um we got given a, a great scorecard metrics from, from Spencer at agency nomics. And um, yeah, we use yeah. that now all the time. And yeah. 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 It's literally things like, yeah, have they, have they got a budget? Do you have a cheerleader in camp? Things like that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's changed how we approach new business. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, I think even, you know, putting scores against that and trying to look at it in a really kind of objective way. And I think mm. the problem that a lot of agencies have is they don't have that framework. So it's all very subjective and gut feel and, and what they end up tending to do is jump far too quickly from, you know, a conversation or two at the beginning to saying, yeah, we'll write you a proposal. 
and they haven't gained enough of those commitments before they've said they're going to create a proposal. They send it via email, of course, and then what happens? It, it disappears down that dreaded black hole and they're chasing them, chasing them, chasing them. And then worst case scenario, the prospect comes back and says, oh, we're going to stay with the incumbent. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> what a total waste of our time. So well, there's the fishing for, for strategy as well, isn't there? That's the other thing. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the time, but you do see brands that they'll, they'll reach out to agencies with this pitch, with this promise that they're going to bring in a new agency. Mm. And they're really just fishing for a strategy. And the next thing you know, they're, yeah, we're, we're bringing it in house. Actually, we've got our strategy now from, from five agencies and we, we, that will lead the, uh, the in-house person to execute it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that, that for me is, is, is not acceptable behavior on their part, but the reality is, that in some ways they have been conditioned by agencies to know that they can do that mm. because over time agencies have given away their strategic nows, have given away their ideas, have given away their creativity for, for free as part of the sales process. And, you know, if you read, you know, the likes of Blair ends win without pitching, which, you know, I'm a big advocate of that type of approach. It's about standing up and not getting involved and not, and not giving away those insights giving away that creativity giving away that strategy for free holding that back and and charging for it uh well that's the, the big thing isn't it because i mean it costs so much i mean you know it costs so much money and time to produce these proposals mm, it's mm. thousands of i mean for us it's thousands of pounds yeah. And, and yeah yeah you know yeah. again you only learn by by wasting your time and spending all that time and money and effort yeah. you know you could spend take people off accounts to do work on a new business yeah, proposal yeah. they could be sitting up till midnight doing it then they traipse yeah. to the other side of the country to deliver it yeah. Yeah. and all for nothing and, and that's a lot of investment to weigh up that opportunity so i think it's really yeah. important yeah. that yeah yeah you yeah. have that that qualifying point and i think you only get that from experience unfortunately so i think that a lesson to anyone listening to this is is get that as quickly as possible because it will save you a lot of time and cost isn't it Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, define what the right client looks like for your agency, you know, come up with that kind of ideal client profile, get that down on paper that creates you your qualifying framework because you're looking for clients who fit um, who fit that ideal client profile. They, they might not tick every single box exactly, but you've got to have some kind of framework. And then, as you as you said, you know, turning that into some kind of, you know, scorecard and that shapes the questions you're asking during the course of that that you know that qualifying piece i think i think it's so essential and you know you touched on it there not not to mention the um the effect on on sort of mental well-being around pitching as well you know there's yeah, a lot yeah. of conversation and discussion quite rightly um about this at the moment you know the the the, the you know the time being put in by agencies the overtime the, the you know the late nights etc spent you know working on a prospect's business for free in the hope at the end of it that they might then give you some money um and well and the real kick in the teeth on top of that is when they then ghost you so you could do yeah, all of that yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you just don't hear from them for, for yeah several months and it's it's quite hard yeah mentally like you say you've done all of that and you then you just get yeah. nothing and well, um, absolutely absolutely you know often who, they who, come back and i think there's little techniques again you can do just to sort of prompt that conversation back up yeah um, yeah but yeah, yeah it's it, it's you know hard hard work for a lot of agencies because it's so important to win that new business and that growth yeah yeah but then i guess yeah. that leads me on to to a nice next point is like mm. in, in our world what should a business owner look for if they're looking to bring external sales support in so i think there's two things like a founder is obviously the best salesperson for for the agency 
Mm. But yeah. it gets to a point where, you know, they want to bring in external support and they want to bring in a biz dev person. And I think it's, there's a few things we can talk about here, but mm. you know, mm. that, at what point should someone look with that? How much does new biz sit with the founder? Should a wider team do anything to support that new business? Um, but I guess the first point is, you know, when should you look at bringing in uh, a new business person, do you think, as an agency? Yeah, I don't, again, I don't think there's any kind of hard and fast rule on 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 when, you know, in terms of whether it's, you know, whether it's turnover or whether it's kind of headcount as to as to when that would when that would typically happen. I think generally I would say there comes a point where the MD or, 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 or you know, whatever senior person with the agency who has had that responsibility for managing new business realizes that they can't do it on their own that they need some form of support um to to sit alongside them the other problem they will then have is okay well, what does that support actually look like um mm. because when we talk about business development new business sales all the different terminology we use around this stuff there isn't actually a necessarily an accepted um definition of what 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 that actually means certainly in terms of a of a role within an agency so for some agencies, it might be actually what we need is a is a real lead generator. You know, we need a, a sort of an SDR type role who is not not bashing out the phones, but is responsible for that prospecting piece. And it's about creating opportunity that the MD can then qualify and then manage the sales process from there. Um, for other though, other agencies, maybe maybe the MD wants to sort of step away from that role entirely. Um, you know, an MD is often, teach you need to suck eggs here, but you're wearing multiple hats and you probably get to a point where you can't do everything well. You've got to maybe focus on doing two or three things really well. And you might say at that point, I need to hand over the business development role to somebody else. So in your instance, you might be looking to bring in somebody quite senior that has a bit of a black book network and can start working that um, for others, it might be actually a marketing person is the best first port of call, and you need to ramp up the marketing and you take more of an inbound approach where you're then generating leads through that method. So there's no there's no one size fits all solution. So I think at that point, it comes down to defining of the people you already have within the agency, what are they going to carry on doing? What role are they going to continue to play in how this agency generates opportunity and converts that opportunity into into new clients once you've worked that out you can then figure out okay where where are the gaps and what does that what does that kind of role look like for our agency specifically mm. um that's the that's the general process in in very loose terms that i'd recommend going through because there is no one fits all solution and when people say we need a a business development manager sometimes you actually go in and you start picking that apart and going well actually you don't because you've got a team of people here that love the bit once the lead is there and can continue to lead that sales process. Maybe they're not doing perfectly, but they can they can continue to do that and maybe with a bit of upskilling. What you really need is somebody just create the opportunities in the first place. And that might not be your traditional kind of business development manager or director or or, or salesperson even. Um, so it's getting it's getting that piece right first to really define what it is that the agency needs. So the final thing that I'd really like to discuss with you is like the um, the pitch process itself. So first yeah. of all, RFPs again. That's that's about qualifying, right? Is it is it worth going for? But <clears throat> and again, to your point on the cred. So I mean, one thing that tell me if I'm right or wrong, but one thing I've sort of 
quite firm on those about us at the end of our proposal because again it's like having a date isn't it if you if you you know thanks for having us today let me now bore you for 10 minutes and, tell you how <laughs> great are. and then, yeah. then we'll talk about your problem and how we can maybe maybe solve it yeah are there any tips that you'd give there in terms of that that pitch process because you know how you deliver it how how many people is too many on that on that yeah. pitch yeah again yeah. how long should it be should you know if we've we've done it we, we, our pictures used to be like 80 slides long sometimes which is yeah. <laughs> brilliant value to the client you know we give them all this yeah. information but then you get to the end of the meeting there's no time for questions there's no time yeah. for that for that conversation so it'd be great to hear if you've got any tips on on that pitch process itself delivering that pitch and what what it should look yeah. like yeah I, I i have a golden rule all right or or it's a golden rule, but it's also a question or a challenge that I will set an agency when we start to look at their sales process. And what I say to them is, if you applied the following rule to your pitch process, how, how would it change your entire approach? And the rule is that the proposal or the pitch presentation, whatever you want to call it, should be confirmation of what you've already verbally agreed with the prospect up to that point. So in other words, what we should be doing is walking into a pitch meeting and it shouldn't be this kind of big reveal where we're going, ta-da, this is what we've come up with. Do you like it? Because there is a high risk that maybe they won't. And the reason why they won't is because it hasn't been that sort of collaborative approach all the way through to get to that point. Now, I think if most agencies started to apply that rule, they probably change their entire sales process quite significantly. What I think they should probably or would, would probably do is start to think, well, we should probably have more conversation, shouldn't we? If we're going to, if we're going to agree what the proposal should look like um, verbally, then by its very nature, we're going to have to converse more with the prospect to get to that point. We're going to have to involve them more in how we design what goes into that proposal and what the solution looks like. So I think first and foremost, following that rule should change how most agencies approach their sales process and they will be more collaborative. It will stop them from having one half hour phone call going, yeah, we'll get a proposal to you by Friday, mm. scurrying away, almost kind of having to second guess what goes in that proposal and then zipping over our email and going, right, fantastic job done. Best of luck guys. And that approach just doesn't work. So I think first of all, changing your mindset around the whole process is, is really important. The proposal itself, if you have done that, if you have had more conversations with the prospect, there should be no need to sort of grandstand the agency at the beginning of that proposal or pitch. You shouldn't really need to talk about yourself because that... They've already done that research, right? They've done that. They've done that. You know, by the time they pick up the phone or send you an email at the beginning, hopefully they would have done a certain amount of research already and shortlisted a number of agencies for a particular reason. And at the beginning of the process, you should be seeking to understand why have they approached us? Why have they reached out to us? What, what is it about us that attracted them? You know, these are the sorts of things that you should be shaping questions around and trying to understand right at the beginning whether you have any kind of real advantage versus the other agencies they're speaking to. So, so you that, can play to that's the job to be done right? at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So at that point, you either go, we're just one of 20 agencies they're speaking to. They found us on Google you know, they, they don't favour us in any way whatsoever. Or actually they found us for, a, they, they, they came to us for a very specific reason. They were able to cite that at the beginning. You know, they, they downloaded a report, they saw us speak at an event, they saw some work we did with another client that they, that they referenced. So there should be something like that at the beginning of the process that makes you go, okay, yeah, there's, there's a reason why we're in the mix. 
And there's a good reason why we should progress through this process. Um, but in terms of the proposal itself, in light of that, as I said, you shouldn't need to talk about your agency for very long at the beginning at all. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it's a waste of time. I put a post on LinkedIn, I think a couple of weeks ago, about um, a review of a pitch deck that I did uh, a few years ago. It was around 80 slides long. Um, you could say that's a crime in itself, that that's an awful lot of content. We've all been there. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. Absolutely. I've done it myself. Um, but around about, I, th I think I think about 45, 50 of those slides, <clears throat> excuse me, were, were all about the agency. Mm. I, I mean, uh, and, they, and they asked me to critique it because they wanted to know why they hadn't won this sure bet. And I was like, well... I can tell you pretty quickly why you didn't win it is because you spend probably 80% of the time talking about yourself in that meeting. About how great you are. Yeah, exactly. And not addressing the problem that that client is currently facing and how you would work with them to, to address that. So I think when it comes to your proposals, it's about flipping it around on its head and spending, you know, if we're going to apply the classic 80, 20 rule to this 80% of that deck or that presentation should be about addressing the prospect. The rest of it at the end, you might put things about you, but they're probably in an appendix because all you're really doing is yeah. probably repeating stuff that, again, is on your website. It's there but if you want right. it or you've shared it with someone else that doesn't know who we are. It's, yeah. it's in there, the yeah. copy that you send kind of thing. But Exactly. exactly. And and, and you know, if they are if they are sharing with other people, ideally, if you are going and doing a presentation, whether that's, you know, whether that's over video or or in person, ideally, you want to have those people in the room anyway. You know, and that goes back to what I said earlier on about gaining these commitments one of the key commitments you want to gain in this day and age bearing in mind the number of people involved in the typical decision is getting stakeholder involvement early so at the beginning you want to understand who else is sort of impacted by this this project or this service when should we involve them in the process they need to be involved ideally early on so you could be shaping the proposal around their needs their concerns their motivations and certainly by the time you get to the the presentation um, they should be in that room. So again, there shouldn't necessarily be a need to be talking about the agency for very long at all. Mm. The structure of the presentation or, or, or proposal should be very much focused and in favour of um, of the prospect. I think like the ultimate, and you know, I don't know how I've got to this, but at some point, with with a couple of new business things we've won recently, I've not even done a pitch. I've Brilliant. actually ended up giving them a proposal <laughs> and an email because of a lot of things that you said, if you can build that rapport and you can understand the problems and yeah. you discuss through what the solution is and you almost verbally yeah. agree, well, this is the yeah. solution. And then you break it down in an email with pricing, how much time that saves. And uh, then, yeah, 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 that's got to be the ultimate for anyone, but it's easier said than done. Like it is, it is. It, ten it, te it tends to happen in less formalized, you mm. know, uh, if, if it's a very formalized RFP process, that's yeah, you're not going to get away with that. 100%, exactly yeah. but, but you know when you're a uh, exactly but when you you know when you're a well-positioned agency and as a result of that you're getting inbound inquiries which are a really good fit around that positioning they're more likely to be non-competitive yeah or even if they are competitive they've reached out to you for a reason and they probably know they want to work with you but they're going to have to ask a couple of other agencies to propose anyway mm -hmm. but in those types of scenarios that's when absolutely you have the try and save yourself work basically try totally. and see if you can close totally. it that way yeah. yeah yeah you know again going, going back to kind of the idea that um some of the ideas that blair ends talks about in, in in the win with win without pitching manifesto is this idea of the one page proposal 
that you shouldn't be going away and writing a chapter and verse, mm. you know, document as, you know, 40 pages or 60 slides or whatever. How can you engineer a situation where you reduce the amount of time and effort you have to spend to win the business? And you do that ultimately by having more conversations and not relying on a written document to do the selling for you. Um, but again, so many agencies are almost programmed to assume that to win the business, ah, we've got to write this long. We've got to produce the best deck. You don't. You don't. See if you can see if you can break that that mindset and and, and go about things in a different way. And you do that by quite simply conversing more. The more you converse, the less you have to put down on paper. That's brilliant. And then I guess the final piece of the jigsaw, the final part of the whole journey, if you like, is closing the deal. So, Mm. you know, you've Mm. delivered your pitch. Yeah. You think you've done well. The the client says they'll get back to you on Wednesday. Wednesday (laughs) comes and goes. (laughs) The weekend comes and goes. Yeah. yeah, To the following Wednesday. How do you chase it up? How do you close the deal? I think I think I think more more broadly, it, it goes back to this idea of of closing not necessarily being um, a single act that happens at the end of the process. Closing is lots of small closes, lots of commitments you are gaining from the prospect along the way, which in theory should make that close a lot easier to gain at the end. That 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 point at which you're actually asking for the business. And indeed, you should directly ask for the business during the course of that pitch meeting. You should say, mm. I believe we've we've satisfied the brief. I believe we put together a solution which addresses um, all of the problems. You know, um, you're asking the question, are there any other concerns, any other questions, any other worries? If not, you know, can we move forward on this basis? So you should you should find a way and find the language to directly ask that question at the meeting itself. But there is a good chance that they're going to turn around and say, yes, you know, we'd like to go away and have a chat about it. And, you know, we'll get back to you on Wednesday. What I would suggest you do at that point is try and involve yourself in that internal discussion. So what you might say is um, you're likely to have a number of you know, questions during the course of your internal discussion. You know, could we arrange a time now? Could we book a call in the diary right now before we walk out the room to to, you know, to resolve any of those questions, to resolve any of those concerns that you might have? So try and retain control of that process. Whenever we walk away from a meeting or whenever we, um, we, we we have a phone call and we don't agree a clear next action, that's when we're losing control of the process. And that that pitch meeting is a great example of where that commonly happens because mm-hmm. the client will say, we'll get back to you on Wednesday. And you go, fine, yep. And you walk out the room and go, hopefully. Yeah, we'll know on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yeah, we'll know on Wednesday. <laughs> and if you said Wednesday passes, and then, of course, you're back in that situation where you're doing the chasing and who who wants it's, it's a horrible position to be in because you desperately want to know what the answer is. And you're sending them emails or give them a call and they don't get back. And then to you it. don't want to email them too much. You don't want to call them. You yeah. Don't want to push it, yeah. And you don't want to be desperate. And it's just it's just I used to hate that. I used to hate that not knowing and, yeah. and being the person that's chasing. So anything you can do to try and retain control of that situation um, I would I would thoroughly suggest you you know you try and do that rather than just letting them walk away and and hoping they're going to be getting back to you on a on a on you know on a certain day. The only other thing I would add to that is if you are following up, what can you follow up with that again provides some value? So if you've had a discussion at the meeting about I don't know a certain topic or trend or have you got you know a piece have of you got a bit of insight or... you can follow up with a month yeah, later? Out of the blue yeah, yeah. So that 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 might take away a bit of anxiety that you're just sending that hi it's me again have you made a decision yet 
maybe hi again you know i was thinking about something we said at the meeting or we talked about i just thought you might find this article useful so you're providing some value when you are following up again that it's all about these sort of small things you can do that might hopefully add up to make the difference and that's that's just a small example of where you might might be able to do something which is not just sending the old classic have you made a decision yet type email no some really great points really great points and a lot of value there thanks ben so where oh, can people pleasure. find you linkedin yeah, link, link, LinkedIn. For many years, I didn't even have my own website. LinkedIn has been very, 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 very kind to me in terms of being able to kind of, you know, get get my content out there and share, um, you know, useful tips, advice. You know, I do, I do try and give away quite a lot for for nothing. I'm a big believer in that. Um, so yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Um, there's there's you know there's loads of content there. I do have a website these days. If you want to go and find out a bit more about how I actually work with agencies. Um, that's uh, that's a good place to go and yeah hopefully um in in person at uh, a sort of various events upcoming over the course of this year as well so yeah now we can get out and about again thank goodness um hopefully face to face and it's like we didn't even cover which we, we could have covered so much more today <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no we, we kind of scratched the surface but um but yeah well i think i think we've covered we've covered quite a lot today hopefully, no, it's hopefully been really uh, the listeners will get plenty of value from it i've really enjoyed it ben thanks very much for coming on absolute pleasure thanks for having me Cheers. You've been listening to Confessions of an Agency Owner with me, Chris Ailey. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, subscribe to my newsletter, and find out more about my agency at honchosearch.com. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Until next time.